Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. All right, good morning. Our Sunday school lesson this morning is going to be we're going to look at what is the purpose of the church. So we're going to run some verses on that and try to get some good insight. Let's get Acts chapter 2. The first purpose of the church is to teach doctrine. So Acts chapter 2 and verse number 41. The Bible says, Then they that gladly received His word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Those that were added to the church, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. The purpose of the church, one of the purposes of the church is to meet so you can learn and so you can be taught doctrine, doctrine. And notice nobody was voted in. They were added. They heard the word. They received it. After they received it, they were baptized. After that, they were added to the church. Um. They were added to the church. Now, uh, just a couple of things to note in verse number 41. Nobody is scripturally baptized until they receive the word and believe. So you can't, you'll talk to people and, and you'll say, um, well, are you, are you saved? How do you know you're saved? Well, I was baptized when I was. And if they're pointing to their baptism, that should be a red flag. You want them to know that Jesus Christ saves. Nothing that you can see, physical that you do, can save you. And also notice, and you'll notice this throughout the New Testament, all believers that received the word and were saved, they were baptized. Some run with that and you say, see, you have to be baptized in order to be saved. That's not the point. The point is that the the picture is, or the example is that Why wouldn't you get baptized? Why wouldn't you obey the Lord and follow what He had asked you to do and be scripturally baptized? It's not you have to be baptized to be saved. Also, when you look at all of the Scripture verses, um, people point to baptism. Not only false groups point to baptism and say, if you're not baptized, then you can't be saved. That would be a false doctrine. Some Christians point to a verse like this and say, see, if you're not baptized, then you can't officially be a member of the church. And these aren't, um, these aren't uh, bad people and they're not unsaved. But when we look at all of the verses concerning someone being a member of the body of Christ, it's based on salvation. So you can't exclude someone from being a member of the church because they haven't been baptized. What you want to do is teach them 
what all New Testament believers did when they got saved, which is they got baptized. But you don't want to get in a position, and I don't want to get our church in a position where you inadvertently are going to, the same way you have a false convert, and you tell them to repeat a prayer, okay, you're saved. That seven-year-old never got saved. Well, the same way you're going to get into situations where you're going to have false baptisms. I don't want somebody to get baptized because they think that that's the only way they'll be accepted. I want them to get baptized because they saw what the Scripture says and they just genuinely want to obey the Lord, you know, kind of like you and I did. <laughs> we wanted to obey the Lord and get baptized. So we're not going to exclude and say, you can't be a member here because you weren't baptized. But we certainly aren't going to go the other extreme either and say, baptism isn't a big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. All right, let's get Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, and we'll start at verse 1. And in those days, when the numbers of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Nothing wrong with a preacher helping out and you know cleaning and do, do, doing all that stuff. But when you start a church or you're a new church, all preachers are going to do that. So the point of this passage is keep the pastor out of the kitchen. It's not it. It's just that it does take time to study the Word. And people have to be taught doctrine. The pastor shouldn't be responsible to do everything. Because if he does, he's going to be spread so thin that he's going to be a jack of all trades, but really a master at none. And would you rather have him know how to set a table also right? Or would you rather have him just teach you the Bible? And so they're bickering about this because widows are being neglected. And so we don't want widows to be neglected, but we don't want to have the pastor or the leadership have to now leave studying God's word to teach doctrine. Now the next thing you know, he's tied up serving tables. So the Bible says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But, verse 4, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So there was a problem. They didn't solve the problem by now creating another problem, which would be now the pastors and teachers can't study. They recognized the problem. They created a solution so that the church can still go on biblically and teach doctrine. You wouldn't want to solve a problem and the result of that being now you created another problem because now we would be getting away from what the purpose of the church would be, which would be to teach doctrine. Teach doctrine. All right, so that's Acts 6, 1 through 4. Let's flip over to Acts 11. Let's see what's there. Acts 11, we're talking about what is the purpose of the church and 
one of the main purposes of the church is to teach doctrine. Acts chapter 11, verse number 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And that's what Christians do. They gather together so that they can be taught. And many people were taught, and they were taught doctrine, what to believe, how to believe, what the Bible says. Should you go to church? Yes, you should go to church. If you don't go to church, does that mean you're not saved? No. It just means that you don't go to church. Um, should people be compelled to go to church? They should, but um, because that's where you're going to get teaching of doctrine. That's why the church gave us pastors and teachers so that you can be taught doctrine. But what do you do when doctrine isn't taught? <laughs> what do you do if there is no good church in your area? You know you're supposed to be going to church, but everywhere you've gone, it's, it's, a, it's a mess. So you got one of three choices. You either go, and the nonsense or the stuff that you don't agree with, if you can leave it alone, then you can function there. And I've done that, and I've functioned. I'm sure you've done that, and you've functioned. The other option is, you move and you find a church that is more on par with teaching doctrine. And that requires sacrifice. That requires job change. That requires moving up the kids. That requires a lot of stuff. We've done that too. Or you don't want to do this in spite of, but if you are led by God, you either A, start a church, or B, try to bring a preacher in to start a church that would want to um, teach good doctrine. They're really the only three or four reasons I can come up with for the solution of, well, there's just no good church. Um, it's a good idea to be in church. It's a good idea. But I get the frustration that some people have. Let's move on to Acts chapter 20. What are we supposed to do as a church? What's the purpose? Teach doctrine. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 7, the Bible says, Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow and continued his speech until midnight. Now that was one long sermon. and We, we know what happened to Eutychus down a couple of verses, but what did they do? They gathered together on the first day of the week and Paul preached unto them. Uh, people need to hear preaching. God's people should gather together um, to hear doctrine taught. They should be taught and, they, and it should be preached. That is the purpose of the church. Pep talks have their place. You're not going to prep talk 
a basketball team to the championship. You're not. And you're not going to prep, you're not going to pep talk a jiu-jitsu team to win and, and get that team on the podium. It's not going to happen. You can't pep talk anything to, to do good. But there's a place for pep talks. You bring the team aside, look, fellas, and you know, you let them have it or you, you give them whatever you got to, that B12 shot that they need. But that isn't a means to an end. You can't run a church by every Sunday. It's just pep talks. There's a place for that. You want that basketball team to get to the championship? It's going to be teaching and training and drilling and going over and over and over. And that's the same thing we got to do at the church. We got to teach doctrine. We can't just come up and give pep talks and get people motivated. All right, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, we'll start in verse number 8. Uh, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first in the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fulfill all things. Now watch it. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why did God give the church pastors and teachers? Verse number 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The teaching of the doctrine should edify the body. That body should be fed so that the saints can be perfected. The work of the ministry is done and those saints are edified. Verse 13 Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking truth and love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head of even Christ. Who's the head of the church? Jesus Christ. No preacher, no man, no rabbi, no father, no, just go down the line. None of them are the head of the church. Jesus Christ is. When a preacher is going to pastor and he's going to teach, he has to teach doctrine so we're not tossed to and fro. How are you not going to be carried away by every wind of doctrine? You can find stuff on the internet so quick, you can be an expert, pick a field, and in three weeks, you can... I mean, it's very amazing how fast you can get information. And I remember when I started training in, in, in martial arts. When I started jiu-jitsu in 1997, you couldn't learn it unless you went to an academy. Um, now you can go online and YouTube and you can, I mean, you can learn some good stuff. There's a lot of good stuff just, just right out there. We had to wait until one of the black belts came over from Brazil and had a seminar and we'd sign up for the seminar. And 
Um, not anymore. You can get all that information and digest it very, very quickly. And doesn't it all sound good? <laughs> you can't buy a flashlight anymore. Because you have to go and look at the reviews and make sure that the flashlight that you're going to buy can bust through 17 windshields without, you know, the flashlight breaking. And the light, you can't, if it runs out of a battery in a day, well, that's no good. you got to make sure it's got the battery that has, you know, more hours in it than you have in your life. Why can't we just go to Walmart and buy a stupid flashlight? Because information is now so readily available, and because it's so readily available, it now becomes valuable. We want to make sure that we don't waste our money, and then by the time we research it for four months, we walked around in the dark. And <laughs> it all sounds good. How do you know? How do you know? I believe if you get good at learning this book, the real thing, you can recognize the counterfeits. And so that's why I believe the church really stick with the book. And if something goes against the book, throw it out. Um, you, you noticed in, in, in Acts, they said they met on the first day of the week. It isn't if we meet on Tuesday night or Wednesday night or Thursday night in the midweek, we're not going and disobeying the Bible. Now, that's not in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible do you find midweek service. And you don't find Sunday school. But, okay, so we throw out Sunday school and we throw out midweek service. No, you're, you're missing the point. If a church doesn't do midweek service or they don't have an official Sunday school, they're not of the devil. Maybe they have a different thing going. But if a church does... It's okay, they're teaching more doctrine. That's a tradition of the church that doesn't go against scriptural principles. There's nothing wrong with teaching more doctrine in an age-specific way or none of that. Um, the other thing too, meeting the first day of the week, every day is the Lord's day. We don't celebrate the Sabbath because we're not Israel. We're not the nation of Israel. The Ten Commandments was given to the nation. That commandment isn't restated in the New Testament, but we find rest in the Lord every day. Every day is rest in the Lord. But we meet on the first day of the week. Why? Because that is traditionally what Christians have done. And so that's what we do. That's what we do. Um, the whole thing with, you know, you meet on Sunday, it's the mark of the beast and, the, you know, these false groups. They take these scripture verses to a very strange extreme and they try to become Israel. The Sabbath was for the nation. Anyway, the idea is to teach doctrine. If you can do more of that in a Sunday school with the kids, great. If you can do more of it on a midweek, great, do it. If you have people that want to come on a midweek, let's, let's do it. But you can't say a church is unbiblical or more biblical because they do or don't do a midweek. All right, anyway, right doctrine promotes unity. Exposing false doctrine, it keeps people from being deceived, which is what we see here. We don't want people to be carried away, fall prey to slight of men. We want to speak the truth in love. 
and watch verse 15, may grow up. Our kids have to grow up. You can't expect them to know what you know. You've got to let them grow up. It's not your seven. You've got to have everything right. No, it's your seven. You've got to give them time to grow. And you can't be in church for 35 years and have a 22-year-old that maybe saw the Bible a couple of times, just got saved. That person needs time to grow up. We've got to back off the whole, you've got to be here every time the doors are open and you've got to go out and witness and you've got to... Are all those things great ideas? They certainly are. Completely misplaced out of context and you push somebody away because you take facts and you insert those facts into some context and you dump them on somebody and they get turned off. And so we need to be careful that we don't forget verse 15, speak the truth in love. We got to grow up. Give people time to grow that's the purpose of the church. Teach doctrine. Give people time to grow. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, verse 1, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. No unity of the saints without doctrine. Other doctrine will come in. That's doctrines of devils. How do you know, how do you know you're in a church that has a doctrine of devils? I'm just saying what the Bible says. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. Is it hard to live a life 100% hypocrisy free? It is. None of us can do that. But if you get into the church and the whole vibe of that thing is just hypocrisy after hypocrisy after hypocrisy, get out. It's a doctrine of devils. They have their conscience seared with a hot iron. You know what happens before you know it? You just, that's what you become. <laughs> The five people that you hang out with, that's who you are. The five kids that your, your kids play with, that's who they are. No, my kids would never steal. Do they hang out with those four kids that steal? Your kid steals. <laughs> it's, you just pick the five people that you hang out with, that's you. That's me. Forbidding to marry. Roman Catholic Church. Commanding to abstain from meats. Roman Catholic Church which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. We need to be careful of false doctrine. And you get in a place where you're forbidden to marry. Okay, you're 36 years old and you still can't make a decision on who you can marry because dad didn't approve it. That's weird. <laughs> That's weird. I don't want my kid coming home and I have no idea what they're doing and no idea who they're marrying. I want to be involved. I want to be there to guide and advise. And that's normal. That's natural. 
But this idea that your family's so spiritual because your three girls still live at home and they're in their 30s, <laughs> that's weird. It's weird. You can't do anything. I mean, you beat up on the Roman Catholic Church. I, I, I'm not going to name the person's preacher's name because there's preachers out there that it's weird. That's a doctrine of devils. It's a doctrine of devils. It's not just the Roman Catholic priest. Any church that teaches that. Abstain from meats. We couldn't eat meat on Friday. So every Friday growing up during Lent in the Roman Catholic Church, mom and dad would order pizza from Nick's. Nick's Pizza, excellent pizza. You're ever in, ever in Clayton, New Jersey, you got to go to Nick's. You tell them you know the Fortunatos, you're, you're in. <laughs> well, it was always cheese pizza. There was, no, there was no pepperoni pizza. There was no half pepperoni, half sausage like we were used to. It was cheese pizza. Until me and my brothers got old enough to call Nick's on our own. <laughs> you, we'd like to order a pepperoni pizza. <laughs> it's Friday. Do you know you're... We know. We know. Oh, dad get hot. Mom get hotter. <laughs> How's that work in the Baptist church? Well, our family, we don't eat meat. We're vegetarians and we only eat, you know, the Daniel diet and we only eat the, we're on the hallelujah diet and we're on this diet. Where do you get that? You get it from doctrines of devils. We went through the organic phase. But we certainly didn't think that we were more spiritual. It was just fun to embarrass your kids and send them to school with organic cheese puffs. <laughs> they still get on us for that. Dad, I was so embarrassed. We weren't. <laughs> but you can't make it a doctrine of the church. You get Mexicans come in. You get Italians come in. You get good old-fashioned southern cooking coming in. Everybody has a different staple diet and cultural diet. That's good. That's fine. What you can't do is come in and say, well, we only eat this because we're super spiritual. And it comes into churches. And you have to be careful. You got to give them time to grow, but you can't give them any leg to start making this into a doctrine. It shouldn't be a doctrine. All right, purpose of church, teach doctrine. All right, last one, 2 Corinthians 13. never get through all of this so we're going to do part two tonight second corinthians 13 verse number 11 i am become a fool in glorying you have compelled me for i ought to have been commended of you for in nothing whoops 
I knew that didn't sound right. First Corinthians or Second Corinthians. Thirteen, verse eleven. Finally, brethren, farewell. It was a mess in First Corinthians. By the time they get to the end of Second Corinthians, look what happens. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the love of God and peace shall be with you. You got problems? We all do. Is any church perfect? None of them are. You work through problems, and by the end of it, you should come out of good comfort and of one mind and in peace and in unity around doctrine. Got to be able to teach doctrine. Church has to. All right, we'll continue, see how far we get, and then we'll just finish it up, part two tonight. Second purpose of the church Number one, teach doctrine. Second purpose of the church is to worship the Lord. Let's get John chapter 4. John chapter 4, and let's start in verse number 19. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me. The hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Look, don't get tied up on where. <laughs> ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. It doesn't matter. The church is the body of Christ. If you meet in a mountain, if you meet in a basement, if you meet in a church house building, if you meet out somewhere in the wilderness, it's not where you meet. It's who are you worshiping? And are you worshiping Him in spirit? And in truth, you can build the biggest building in town and it looks like this pristine church and there's no truth in it. There's no spirit in it. You've got underground Christians all over this world that are meeting in a basement underground because they're afraid that if it becomes public, they'll lose their life or they'll be commanded by the government to stop congregating and then locked up if they disobey. It's not where we worship. Who are we worshiping? It should be the Lord Jesus Christ. And if everybody fills their roles and points everybody to the Savior, it starts to work. But as soon as factions start, the preacher gets lifted up. Somebody in the, a faction of the people start lifting the preacher up. We're of 
and just fill in the preacher's name, then it starts. Why can't it just be we all try to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ? It really is the best way to go. And it's a command. Verse 24. It doesn't say God is spirit. Oh God, he's just he's just spirit. No, he's a, he's a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You believe the Bible when it says you must be born again? I do, you do. Verse 24, what does it say? Must worship him. You're going to worship. It's, it's a command for the church, for Christians. He desires the spiritual worship. John 5. John 5, verse 23. New Testament church should esteem, honor, and praise God as much as they can. John 5, 23, that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. God, Jesus Christ, God the Father, they're God. One and three, three and one. All right, we'll do one more section and then we will call it for this Sunday school. And then we'll pick up tonight. But let's get 1 Peter. First Peter chapter 2. Roman Catholic Church has a bunch of different mediators. You go through the priest to get your sins forgiven. Um, you go through the church to have salvation. You leave the Roman Catholic Church, you're brought up Catholic, you're considered an anathema, means you're damned to hell. And Mary also is a mediatrix. So that's why you pray the beads. Mary's going to intercede on your behalf to Jesus Christ. And of course, Jesus always does what his mother asked him to do. And so there's that, that doctrine of, that's not us. That's not New Testament Christians. We all have the priest, we all have direct access to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ. And so 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, the Bible says, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We're a holy priesthood. We don't need a mediator. That's one of the tenets of what it means to be a Baptist. No one between us except Jesus Christ. Now, get Exodus 19.
New Testament, we're a holy nation and we're a royal priesthood. Look at Old Testament Israel. Exodus chapter 19, verse number 5. The Bible says, Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me, and above all people, for all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto who? The children of Israel. They didn't keep his covenants, and so they all missed out on the earthly physical blessings. We're not Israel. We have a holy priesthood. We have access to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ. We're talking spiritual blessings. Israel obeyed God. They got physical, earthly blessings. We obey God. Gold isn't raining down from heaven. We're not going to get rich and, and we're going to have all this prosperity gospel. We're not Israel. We're New Testament Christians. We have spiritual blessings. It's a spiritual thing. Trust Jesus Christ. You step right into that priesthood. You don't have to keep commandments. You don't have to make sacrifices. All you have to do is trust in the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for you and know that He kept all the commandments sinless because He knew you couldn't. You trust in His merit your holy priesthood. That's it. That's New Testament Christianity. It's not commandment keeping. Although you're saved, you would want to follow God's command. Not Israel's command, but God's command for us as New Testament Christians. It shouldn't be a burden to us. Okay. Uh, last verse, and then we are... We'll wrap it up. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10.10, we'll start at that. Verse number 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That's not hard to understand. It's easy to read. It's very comprehensible. One time for all mankind. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Nothing that anyone did in the past, in the present, or in the future can be a sacrifice acceptable to God to take away sins. Nothing. It's been done one time and it's been done for all. And verse 12, but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Jesus Christ is that man. One sacrifice for sins, and it's offered 
to all who would believe. Would you bow with me and we'll close in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the one-time sacrifice. Thank you for showing us in your Bible what the purpose of the church is. We pray we can apply it to our small church here, Lord. We thank you for the truth you've given us. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.